Let's turn to Psalm 25. <coughs> 22 verses, so longer than many we've read. But uh, a precious passage of Scripture. Unto thee, O Lord, do lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. Everyone knows how many times the scriptures speak of him as the God of salvation. He's not the God of lucky day. He's the God of salvation. Okay. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses. Well, they have been ever of old. That's a sermon right there, isn't it? Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Hey, that's another sermon mm -hmm. to be revisited. Good and upright is Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Mm -hmm. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimony. Man, this psalm is chock full of sermons, isn't it? For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Notice it doesn't say for my sake. Don't even say for goodness sake, but for your name's sake. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Mm -hmm. You want to know the special things? You better fear God. You better understand that he is God. Mm -hmm. I think it was uh, Brother Lee Fountain that told me not too long ago that a wise man told him when he was very young that two things you need to know, young man. God is God and you are not. There's a lot to that, isn't there? So we move on. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. We manage to get into nets. God gets us out. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain. And forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many. And they, that, and they hate me with cruel hatred. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, God, out of all his troubles. Did you notice that in the second verse of this psalm and the well, third from the last the psalmist says let me not be ashamed. 
Are we proud? Do we think, I am really something? I heard a guy say once, he thought he was everything and a bag of chips. Well, I like a bag of chips, but I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Sometimes people, they really think they're pretty special. We used to have a chapel on Thursday mornings at a certain school, and they had these swinging doors. Now, these doors don't swing. I found out the hard way the first time I came. And then it was a slide. Okay, all right. If I would read, I would know better. But there was this fella. He loved to come into chapel. Boom, he hit those doors. He's Mr. Cool. I think in the vernacular they said he was clean, if you know what I mean. One Thursday morning, I counted four times he made his grand entrance. And sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. This is a song that lends itself to singing. If I still have a voice when we get through, I think I'd like to teach you. Maybe I can get my beautiful wife to help me make her do that. What, what, what? It's in her hymnal. It's in her hymnal. Um, which hymnal? Oh. That one? Mm -hmm. What number? I don't know, but it is. Well, by the end of the sermon, I hope you can find it there. I, sh I know it's not number 25, because 25 is the uh, one we sang about. What's the name of it? It's 432. That's the not name? That's the number. Are you quite sure? <laughs> wow. That's what happened. We married somebody that was a lot more about music than no, you No, it's not the same one. I'm sorry. It's not. It's here. No. Well, we'll just have to sing it out of the Bible. Then. I almost wrote us another that song. Yeah. Um, you do what? Well, then I want some help from you. Okay, okay. Well, here we go. As with many others, this psalm serves as a great devotion. The psalms are written for doctrine and they are for devotion. They should touch our minds, they should touch our hearts, they should move our tongues, they should move our feet. God did not call us to sit like a lump. I knew a preacher used to make people mad when he'd say, you think your sole job is to show up in church? If I could put a brick on that pew, that wouldn't be much of a Christian brick, though, would it? All I did was just sit there on that pew, just taking up space. I have a name for this song. I call this the God of whom we affirm and to whom we ask. Because what is said is for the sake of he who is, he does so for the sake of his goodness. We saw that in verse 7 and for his name's sake we saw in verse 11. And again, just like bookends at the beginning, that let me not be ashamed. I don't want to make a mess of this. Lord, I don't want to blaspheme your name. I don't want to trash your name. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Hey, there's this morning again, so it comes out, doesn't it? You know, there are an awful lot of themes in the scripture that you don't have to learn a whole lot of new stuff, but there are a whole lot of new ways to put it. 
And when he says unto thee, O Lord, you're going to hear that a lot. We've already heard it uh, in other places, but we'll hear it as he opens the 28th Psalm, the 101st Psalm, the 141st Psalm, and it's in a couple of other Psalms as well. Unto thee, O Lord. That's where our attention needs to be addressed. We need to be focused upon the Lord. What does the Lord say about this? We already sang Psalm 19, 14. We've already studied Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. Who are we talking to? Not the preacher. Not the teacher. It's the Lord. The Lord who is my strength and my redeemer. And it talks about lifting up the soul. We come across that. And interestingly, as I study through the Psalms, I read about lifting up the eyes, as we saw in verse 15. 121st Psalm says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My, cometh, my help cometh from the Lord. It's not the top of the mountains. You're here in Arkansas. You don't look at Mount Magazine. That's where my help comes from. Tallest point in the state of Arkansas. But that's not where your help comes from. You happen to be in Southern California. There's a Mount Whitney. Well, you're the geography person. Okay. Mount Whitney, the tallest mountain in the contiguous United States. It's a big one. And uh, there is a mountain that was discovered when uh, McKinley was president, and so they called it Mount McKinley. But the people of Alaska said, we've always called it Denali, so we're going to start calling it Denali, the highest point. But we don't look to Denali. We don't look to Mount Everest. We look beyond that. So we lift up our eyes. We lift up our hands as we'll see again and again in the Psalms. And as we already saw in verse 3, Thou, O Lord, art, Psalm 3 and verse 3, Thou, O Lord, art a shield to me, my glory. You got any bragging? Brag on Jesus. My glory and the lifter up of my head. I guess the littlest fellow we got here is uh, Mr. Drake. Mr. Drake. You ever mess up, Drake? You ever mess up? You ever get talked to by Mama and you have to kind of hang your head down? Oh, no. We all get there, Drake. There are times we mess up. When I heard Stephen, when I heard Stephen Gregory Reigns, ruin bad stuff now, I'd hang down my head. I knew I was cruising for a bruising, and sometimes they just reached down. I didn't have this foot, was there, and they just touched my chin and lifted it up. Thou art the one that is a shield to me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. It says, and uh, actually, that was. Just the last song that we looked at. Mm -hmm. So we lift up our eyes, our hands, 
in our heads. But as I said, there are two main thoughts. First of all, what is it the psalmist affirms and relates about our God? We see some general statements. We start with verse 5. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. I guarantee you, you might be a professional educator. Marsha and I spent a whole summer teaching at a place called Professional Educator Institute. Well, that doesn't mean the others were a bunch of amateurs. That just means that's what you get paid for. And you can be trained in how to teach and what to teach and why to teach and when to teach and who to teach. You can learn all the stuff about teaching in the circles of classrooms, Sunday school, <coughs> special opportunities. But do you know who the great teacher is? The Muslims respected the Greeks so much they referred to Aristotle as the great teacher. And I guess for them that'd be pretty good. But the great teacher is the Holy Spirit. He's the one who imparts to us what we need, when we need it, how we need it. And sometimes he just needs to tap us on the shoulder. Sometimes it takes a little bit more to get our attention. You know, uh, sometimes he tenderizes our hearts. <laughs> sometimes he's had to tenderize my head a bit, you know. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For he is the God, the God of salvation. That expression appears four times in the Psalms. He is the one on whom one should wait. As we saw in verse 21, Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. There's a lot of passages that tell us to wait on the Lord. Moses, when he was 40, he said, I'm old enough. I've got the experience. I've got an open door. I can do this. And he supposed, according to Stephen in Acts 7, that he was going to be the leader. He was right about who, but not about when. You see, he spent 40 years becoming mighty in word and deed among the Egyptians. So he's rip-roaring ready to go. But he had to learn not just people, but he had to learn the ways of the Lord. And so where did God take him? He didn't lead him there in the great metropolis that would have been Cairo or whatever. He goes on the backside of the desert and instead of leading folks, he's leading four-legged flock. <laughs> And sheep aren't too smart. And they sure aren't brave. And yet that's who he learned to lead for 40 years. Perfect preparation for the last 40 years of his life, taking the Hebrews. And it's interesting how many shepherds you have in Scripture. Abel had a flock. Abraham, keeper of sheep, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and when 
when Joseph went down to Egypt, he said, when you come down here, tell the Egyptians that you're shepherds. Moses had it in the blood, but he didn't have the experience. So God had him for 40 years in the backside of the desert. And then, of course, we read of David, who pronounced, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want to see. And uh, one of the prophets in the Old Testament was known as the shepherd of Tekoa. You remember who that was? And then, of course, when Jesus was born, the night he was born, it was the shepherds. They didn't go to the Oakland Tribune and say, stop the press, put this in the paper, extra, extra, read all about it. God's son has been born in Bethlehem. No, it was announced by an angelic marker to the shepherds while they were watching their fields. So here's this great God. We, can, we started with God in verse 5. It continues with verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord. There's a reason why in many communions people say God is good all the time. All the time God is good. If you get down to the dumps, if you think you got a raw deal, if you think God has done you dirty or done forgot you, God is the one who is good and upright. we got to know that. He is the good. He is the upright one. He's the one that teaches sinners in the right way. And then you move to verse 9. The meek will he guide in judgment. What's it say about the proud in that verse? Not a thing. If you're proud, if you're full of yourself, if you think you have arrived, nope, hadn't happened. I had a good talk with Brother Roy Smith about a month ago, and he celebrated 62 years in the ministry. He carves out time to study for his messages, and some people, you've been preaching 62 years. You, you know it all. Don't you? Oh, no, I don't. I know more than some, but I don't know as much as I wish I knew. That's what drives me, and I hope that's what drives you, too. You're not going to learn a whole lot reading the back of a post-toasties box. Did you know that? You're not going to get a whole lot reading out of some worldly publication. But yet there is the temptation. I've talked to a lot of preachers, and, and I have to say that if there's anything that kind of dogs us and kind of embarrasses us, Sometimes it seems like it's easier to read a book about the Bible than it is to read the Bible. You know how long it takes you to read through the whole Bible in a year? A year. A year. What? <laughs> Come on, sisters. How long would it take you to read? Through? What would you have to do to read through the whole Bible in a year? In a year, how long would it take to read through the whole Bible? A year. In a year. <laughs> On a daily basis. 365 days. <laughs> yeah, all years have at least 365 days. If you read, folks, if you read three chapters a day, five months on, you'll get to the whole Bible in a year. Now, they're not all short like Psalm 117. 
But uh, that, that's all the chapters, well, and the Psalms, by the way. Catch <laughs> me on that one. Because there are some one-chapter books, like Jude, Philemon, 2 John, 3 John, Obadiah. But some of them are a bit longer, like Isaiah's got 66 chapters, and Psalms has 150 Psalms. But uh, <coughs> if you read three a day, five on Sunday, you get through the whole Bible in a year. Somebody went through and they figured out if you do 85 verses a day, but then you <coughs> kind of chop, chop, chop it up, you know. So you want to keep it easy? Or there's some people that say, I'm going to read five Psalms and one chapter of Proverbs. You'll get through both of those every month. Except in February, because it's shy. At least one, usually two days. Because you have, well, you have 31 chapters in, in Proverbs. But if you're serious about reading the Bible, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, funny thing about the Bible, the more times it's translated, the less it actually gets read. Hmm. So, that, that's convicting now, isn't it? That God ministers to the meek. And one thing that comes out in this psalm is the good of fearing the Lord. Now, if you're afraid of the political situation, that's only going to help the people to sell tons of rollades and stuff like that. If you're afraid of the Chinese, if you're afraid of the Russians, <coughs> if you're afraid of the big bad wolf or anybody or anything else, if you're afraid of the devil, I'd like somebody to show me a passage in the Bible where it says fear of the devil. I've not come across it yet, and I've been looking. It tells us to take him seriously. It says, don't, don't give him an inch. Oh, he'll gladly take an inch if you abdicate. We are to resist the devil. I can't think of a better example than Jesus. He didn't punch him with an invisible stick. No, he dealt him a blow with the sword of the Spirit. He quoted Scripture. That's kind of hard to do if you don't know any Scripture. If the devil tempts you to steal something, well, devil, uh, the preacher said I'm supposed to quote some scripture. So I'm going to do that now. Uh, Jesus wept. Uh, yeah. Okay, so how's that going to keep you from stealing something? Well, he said to quote scripture. Relevant scripture. Let him that stole steal no more. Rather, let him labor. And in case you forget, Genesis 20, Deuteronomy 5, uh, it's so important the Lord gave it to us twice. Carved in stone! Thou shalt not steal. All those are given there to make it pretty clear. And drop down to verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. Sometimes people get to, you think you know what everything. No, I sure don't know it all. The problem when you studied is that you realize you've probably forgotten a lot of stuff that you probably wish at a, at a time of a crisis that 
you you know it. So you just go over it and go over it and go over it. But number one is to fear him. There's a reason why David's son says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. If you're flipped toward God, if you're casual, if you're la dee da about God, you're not standing where you ought to be with God. God is not one to be taken for granted. The blood of Christ is not to be trampled underfoot. He is to be revered. He is to be heard. He is to be obeyed. <coughs> and I probably have a lot of money in the bank if I had a dollar every time somebody says, well, I know what the Bible says, but... Young man in Benton, he, he would listen to me quote... James 4, 17. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him in his sin. He came up to me once after a quote of that on Sunday morning. You know, brother, that convicts me. It convicts me too. Because you never outgrow that in this world. I know what I want to do, but I'm not going to do it. Now, some of you all have to remember Red Skelton on TV. You remember Red Skelton? You're too young, right? You're too young. Oh, okay. He did a lot of routines on his comedy show. One of them was the mean little kid. Remember the mean little kid? He'd say, if I do it, I'll get a whooping. i do it. And at the end, he'd get a whooping every time. We ought to know better. He that knoweth to do good and do with it not. Now, if you're a brand new Christian, I wouldn't expect a person who's just been saved a short period of time. That's why uh, I was so glad to have the opportunity to bring Brother <coughs> Brian Von Flossen because we had two ordinations <coughs> last month. And the first was a fellow who started coming to that church when he was five and made profession of faith at six groomed in the things of God. When Bryant Von Fussen met the young lady that he married, he wasn't even saved. Neither was she. But she was the granddaughter of Roy Smith. <coughs> and she was in the habit of coming to church. And so he started coming to church. And he went up to Brother Royce and he said, I believe the Lord has saved me. And it wasn't too long after that, I believe the Lord called me to preach. And you've heard him preach. I heard the, the recording that uh, Jeremy made. And yes, he can preach. He loves the Lord and he wants to know this book. Now, I think you were the one that told me, so how long have you been saved? <laughs> you don't have to be a Christian 99 years before you get serious about studying this book, about being in his house, about rejoicing to be with his people. It should mean something to us. I was glad when they said to me, let's go see that. Razorbacks. Or else we'll sit the Dodgers. But uh, you probably would play as eager to see the Dodgers as somebody else would be. But to know the fear of the Lord, it is good to fear the Lord. It is a good thing for us to do so. If you do that, verse 12 says, What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. If you think you know it all, and God is just somebody that you can casually 
drop a name every once in a while. <coughs> Years ago, I used to watch this commercial with all these people standing around talking, and one guy's talking about investing, and the guy's talking about an opportunity. One guy says, well, my broker's E.F. Hutton. And E.F. Hutton says, everybody gets quiet. Because the idea is, you want to hear what E.F. Hutton's got to say. But that's the way we ought to be about God's Word. That's right. If you ask me my advice about something, uh, which is a better, I'm going to pick on my brother Bobby here, brother, brother here. Which is better, apple pie or peach pie? Not really apple pie. Well, you're wrong, it's peach. <laughs> no. That's not a question you, but if you're asked a question about what God's Word says, it's not a question of my opinion. But you know what a lot of Christian people say? Well, here's what I think. No offense, folks. But what you think, and 75 cents will buy you a copy of the Tribune now. You know, or get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's or whatever. It's not what we think. It's not what we feel. It's not what we suppose. What has God's Word said? And the only way you're going to know that is look in the book. Because you're going to ask the preacher. And sometimes the preacher, he gets like the rich man that Tavia talks about in Fiddler on the Roof. He said, if I were rich, I'd have the time to spend in the synagogue. <coughs> and he says, you know, when you're rich and they ask you a question about the scriptures, when you're rich, they think you really know. Well, the rich don't always know. The educated don't always know. In fact, further in the Psalms we'll read, I am wiser than all my teachers. Why? Because I put the Lord first. That's where it's got to be. So fearing the Lord, His secrets, and Christ is the mystery. He's the pearl of great price that we should look for. In Judges 13, there was a man named Manoah. Not Noah, but Manoah. And his wife was out in the field and she sees an angel. And she goes back to her husband and says, I was out in the field and I saw an angel. How long were we out in the hot sun? No, it was an angel. Come ahead. And so Manoah goes out in the field with her. You'll find this in the 13th of Judges. And so he goes out there in the field and they see an angel and Manoah says, what's your name? And he says, why do you ask my name seeing it is secret? That's how the King James translated that Hebrew word there. The same word is translated in Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. I don't think that's talking about Michael the archangel. I don't think that's talking about the Pope. I don't think that's talking about any human. I think that's talking only, always, and exactly about Christ. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Which is the same word that's translated secret. You want to know the secret of the Lord? Underlying what we read in these pages, the types, the shadows, the intimations, the illustrations, 
have something to do, something to say about the person and work of Christ. If you read a narrative in the scripture, you say, I don't see Christ in that. Well, read it again, my friend, because it's there. Something about the person and our work of Christ, because it's all through the scriptures. Jesus himself said, all the prophets give witness. They're writing about me. The things written in the Law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. That's the key. And of course with Christ, we read 2 Timothy 3.16 this morning, but 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And it's got seven things that all have to do with our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, quickly, the second thought. What is it the psalmist asks and requests of God. Well, as we saw already, verse 20, 2 and 20, he says, Let me not be ashamed. I want to represent Jesus Christ. Not just in this building, not just on Sundays and Wednesday nights, wherever I am. In my house, if I'm in your house, if I'm at Walmart, if I'm at the post office, or any place else. I want to represent Christ and I want to be giving an honorable representation. Wouldn't it be a shame if you lost your temper and, and said and did some disgusting things? And, oh, and you go to what church? Marsh and I were talking with a guy once and uh, he had some colorful <coughs> things and I don't mean he used blue and red, but he said some things that, uh, well, Let's just say it wouldn't be appropriate to repeat. And then five minutes later, you mentioned you went to church. What church? Oh, I go. I don't blame you. I don't want to let people. Up. And when we were in Memphis, we had a young man who worked for the Cola Coca, something like that. He delivered for the trucks. And these two guys came in their shop, and Marsh and I are there. And I said, hey, you guys, uh, you know what I called the guys? Said, yeah, we know him. How do you know him? Well, he goes to our church. He, looked, he goes to church? That's not a good thing. Not a good thing. You want to be the best advertisement you can be for Jesus Christ. Paul said of one group, you are our epistles, known and read of all men. I'd like to think that if anything rubs off for me, it would be something about the Lord and thinking about the Lord and directing our steps in the ways of the Lord. If all you get from me is a joke, if all you get from me is some snide remark or something like that, I have failed you. And I failed to correctly represent the Lord. So we would begin with, let me not do anything to be ashamed. What is the first thing that they teach people in the medical profession? First of all, isn't it do no harm? Does that sound right? You don't want to, I mean, if they're already hurting, you don't want to make them hurt more. You want to be part of the solution. And then we move on to verse number four. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. 
We know that we don't know it all. We want the Lord to open my eyes that I may see. Clara Scott, I think we'll see her in heaven. She wrote a song, Open my eyes that I may see. Open my ears that I may hear. Then she goes on to say, Open my mouth that I may tell. We're to be open before others. Somebody says, well, are you, are you some kind of spy or something? Oh, no. My life's an open book. And uh, we need to be conscientious. We need to be, as Paul said, circumspect. You know that 360 degrees, you got people watching you. And sometimes you have some pretty rugged days. Well, ask the Lord to give you wisdom. I move on to verse 5. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. That's an ongoing. You know, some folks, they start school and say, I don't understand. One little kid went to school the first day and came home disgusted. Mama said, what's the matter? I don't want to go to school tomorrow. Why not? Well, they told me I'd go back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. You finish kindergarten, and guess what? There's more grades. There's 12 grades in the elementary and secondary. And guess what? You can go to school beyond the 12th grade. Some of us have had some experiences in that. And uh, somebody's, well, I'm still at school. I'm still learning this. I'm still learning that. That means you at least are going through the motions of being teachable. And you know, God's great Bible Institute is what we call the Lord's Church. Part of my job is to teach you what it says in the Word. If I'm going to teach you, you know, the, the people who can teach best, they're the ones that know the lessons so well, they know it better than the students are going to get. And so it puts me under the gun. And I don't mind that at all. A teacher who says, I'll just get a book somewhere and read some stuff off and check the box and say, I did. That's, that's not the right spirit. Verse 11, again. See how this psalm humbles us? For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Drop down to verse 16. Turn thou unto me and have mercy upon me. I'm a pretty good guy. Doesn't say that. For I am desolate and afflicted. The scriptures remind us that you can be down in the gutter. You can just feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you. There is a passage where it says, No man cared for my soul. Have you ever been there? You thought everybody was kicking in the teeth. You thought everybody was laughing at you behind your back. Well, there were some Christian people who had that very experience. Paul said, I was in perils among robbers, perils of the city, perils in the country, in perils among false brethren, the people I thought I could trust, and they kicked me in the teeth. Somebody I know was in a desperate need, and they called somebody who had said, you ever need me, give me a call. Called them from 300 miles away, and they said, Take care of it the best you can, bud. Click. That wasn't the Lord. Because the Lord won't do that. The Lord doesn't leave his people in a lurch. 
not only is he there when you cry out, but he will bring you out. Verse 17, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. Have you ever been in distress? Well, if you've lived long enough and you got a clue about what's going on, yes, you've been in distress. It's not, oh no, they ran my granddaughter oatmeal. What am I going to do? No, I'm talking about real distress. You get in a tight. You have a need and you don't know what is going to happen. The Lord knows. He knows the way that we take. Peter said, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Keep my soul. Deliver me, he says in verse 20. And as we saw already in verse 21, he has to be preserved by God's integrity, by God's uprightness. Don't ever go to the Lord and say, save me for my sake. Don't go to save me for grandma's sake. I don't have anything against anybody's grandma. My own included. But the Lord didn't save me for my grandma's sake. He didn't save me for my mama's sake. He didn't save me for my sake. He saved me for his own sake. Because God <coughs> invests in us. Amen. He has put his stamp upon us. Not only has he made us his property, his brand if you will, but our names are written on the palms of his hand. There's an identification there. He's not ashamed to have us to be known as his people. So let's remember, we recall the tender mercies and loving kindnesses of the Lord. And I, I don't just know that that's so. I'm thankful for the tender mercies of my God, the loving kindnesses of my God. And we remember him for his goodness sake. <coughs> Not for our transgressions. You know, sometimes I might feel like, Lord, I'm sorry, excuse for this, that, and the other. It served me right for the Lord said, I know, but I love you anyway. Because I don't mean to trash anybody else, but I know, I know my heart. I know I'm a sinner. Well, you used to be a sinner, right, preacher? I got to say amen to what Paul said. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ died for sinners. I used to be one myself. No. You know what he said? Of whom I am. Am. Not used to be. Could have been. Might have been. I am. That's right here, right now. I am cheap. I'm a stinker. I am. And Paul said he's a stinker too. Maybe the Lord shows you that. You told him help you to see some things. Well, we sang number 25 in the hymn. And, uh, you know, I'm going to do this on the keyboard. Here you go. All right. Well, let me go through this. Let's sing verses 1 through 4. I'll do it once, and then y'all join me, okay? <coughs> and uh, this is another reason why I like using the King James, because we don't have... 18 different versions. We don't sound like we're singing in a washing machine, you know? We sing verse 1 twice. And then 2 is the chorus. And then we sing 3. And go back to sing 2 is the chorus. And then we sing 4 twice. Followed by the chorus. So we're going to sing 1 and 1 and 2. 
and three and two and four and four and two. Okay? Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed. Which conflict without cause? Show me thy way. Oh, 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 my God. Oh, my God. I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph. Over me, show me, yes, yeah, show me thy ways, or teach me thy paths. Show me thy ways, O oh Lord. Teach me thy paths, O oh my God. I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. And you just learned another chunk of a song. 